0: Good morning. Before I read, I just want to tell you a funny story. (laughs) Uh, Yesterday, Darlene texted me and said, would you read the scriptures? I said, sure. She said, are you okay reading one that has a lot of names? And I said, oh, I work with refugees. It'll be no problem. Then I open up Nehemiah 8 and start skimming through, and I started laughing and laughing and laughing because it's a bit of a doozy. So you'll see what I mean when I get to... Uh, Verse uh, 5, so forgive any mispronunciations. (laughs) Nehemiah 8, 1 to 12. When the seventh month came, the people of Israel being settled in their towns, all the people gathered together in the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people who were attentive to the book of the law. The scribe Ezra stood on a wooden platform that had been made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ishimasuri, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. On his right hand, and Padaiah, Mishael, Melchijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshullam. on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Amasiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Palaliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. So they read from the book from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading.
1: Well done, Lucy. Lots of strange names there. I found a card from my dad recently that he wrote to me, and I think it was just about when I was going to do some uh, travel somewhere. And my dad's uh, handwriting was very neat, very tidy. And uh, he was saying, uh, basically, be safe as you travel to all of those places that have such strange names. Reminds me of this text, strange names. To us, to other people, they're not strange at all. Iraq, Iran, right? Persia. That's what we're looking at today, last week. Think of the tragedy that happened this week with the missile shooting the plane down. Right over that area, right? Iraq, Iran, that's, that's where that plane went down. And uh, that area continues to be at the center of our news cycle, whether it's the Iranian story or not. So when the psalmist says pray for uh, Jerusalem, you know, that's an ongoing word, pray, because that is an unstable part of the world, has been for all these years and continues to be. And so we are mindful of uh, families from Toronto who've uh, been touched by that uh, tragedy, so we lift our hearts up and keep them in our prayers. Think of this people in Edmonton, particularly, right? Well, like 30 folks in the pl- plane were from Edmonton. So it hit uh, the Canadian world a lot. But today, I mention that because of that tragedy but also it it reflects on the story that we we are mindful of that part of the world. Today we're calling this the heart of the matter Uh, looking again at the story of Nehemiah. So last week we were looking at rebuilding walls. So the the walls of Jerusalem had been raised by the uh, Babylonians 150 years earlier and they have still down, and um, if you read from where we left it through chapters five, really one through five, you'll hear the, an amazing story of the rebuilding of these walls, and they did it in 52 days, which is pretty incredible, mobilized the entire city, and a, the walls having been down for 150 years are rebuilt in 52 days, restored, that's pretty crazy. But it's interesting with the book. Once we hit halfway through the book, there's a shift. And it's no longer just concerned about the rebuilding of walls. It's now concerned about the rebuilding of the people. So their spiritual rebuilding. That's half the book of Nehemiah. That's where Ezra, the scribe, is introduced in this book. Remember, Ezra and Nehemiah is one book in the book in the Hebrew Bible, divided into English in two. Ezra here in the second half is introduced. So 52 days amidst much resistance. Interesting that if you read chapter 5, the city is in bad shape. And it's mostly filled with the people of the nation of Israel. But there's all kinds of unjust practices going on right in the people, right in their midst. And there's the lending of interest at high rates that, were, that was forbidden in the law for Israeli to Israeli to treat them that way. People were being sold into slavery because they could not meet uh, their payments. So if you read, look at chapter 5 of, of Nehemiah, a lot of crazy stuff is going on. So it's not just about rebuilding walls. Nehemiah is dressing the heart of the people where they have allowed this and the aristocracy have taken advantage of the average person and, and, and people are selling their children into slavery. So pretty crazy, right? Pretty. We wouldn't think of that today. But that's what was going on within the nation. And when Nehemiah finds out about it, he addresses it. So that's what's going on. A lot of stuff percolating beyond just constructing walls. So Nehemiah and Ezra want to address that. And that's where our text starts today. So we jump into this situation where the walls have been rebuilt, but there's still a lot that has to be done in terms of the nation. And it begins with the focus on the Word, Word of God speak. Pour down like rain. Wow, I love that. And that's what the people hear. So we see it. I'll read just a little bit. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate, and they told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. And accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. And so we hear a few characteristics of the people's response in terms of now wanting to hear God's Word, which hadn't been obviously read for quite a while. Hence the practices that have developed. And so on. the people are receptive. They want the Word to be read. They are eager about all this. The people take the initiative. Tell Ezra to go get the Word and let's have it read. So there's a receptivity to the Word of God. So as Darlene said, we begin a new year, 2020. The overall theme of this series is building our lives. We're using three blocks, Cheryl's got it, on the corner there. Building, rebuilding. What do we need to do to build our lives spiritually uh, in this coming year? Because we all get messed up. We all find ourselves engaged in practices, if you like, whatever they are, that are not building our lives. And so is there a receptivity to God's Word? We can ask ourselves that. To receive the light of the Scriptures. Secondly, the people are attentive. It says that right in the text. The people were attentive to the book of the law. So they're focused. They're not distracted. They actually really want to hear. And so in the New Testament, we hear that a lot. It'll say, watch, keep watch. Or it'll say, be alert. Or it may say, be attentive. Ephesians 5.18, be alert, be attentive. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and do it all in an attitude of attentiveness. So we're all encouraged that way, to be receptive and to tune in. Not just today on Sunday, but to tune in to God hear his voice, be listening for him, because we can tune right out and just go on automatic pilot and hear very little through the week because we're not being attentive. Thirdly, they are worshipful. This is a beautiful verse. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, note, Amen, Amen. Then they lift their hands, then they bow down, and then they get right on the floor and put their face right on the floor. All of the as a heart response of worship. It struck me, because one time I was teaching in India at a Baptist seminary, and it was interesting, when the students came to class, they would get their prayer mat. Everybody had a prayer mat. They'd put the mat down, and the first thing they would do is, bow, is kneel down and bow, put their face right on the floor, just like a yoga move almost, right down. And they hold that as a way of focusing, getting ready for the class. I thought that was very cool. Before the chapel, come in, kneel down, right to the face on the floor, hold that as a sign of reverence before God. I mean, if we had kneelers in this place, I'd be using them all the time, where where we move forward and kneel, our body, our physical response of, getting connected with God. So we see all of that in that that interesting verse, verse 6. So the people were respectful. It's not a ho-hum attitude. It's not an apathetic response. It's one of really wanting to connect with God, worshiping God, hearing God's voice. Do you think that matters? Do you think that matters? Do you think God is aware of us when we come into His presence with some sense of sincerity and focus? Rather than just kind of barely showing up? It seems He does. It seems that He does because He is a relationship with us. And He knows when we are focused when we're not, just like we would with our own children. That's the amazing thing is that the God of the universe wants to know you and me in 2020 in a personal, relational way. He really wants that. The God who creates galaxies. In our Milky Way, in our Milky Way, there are estimated 100 billion galaxies. Can you imagine? It's crazy numbers. Other galaxies in our our own Milky Way. No, that's not right. 100 billion stars. 100 billion stars in every galaxy. So there's 100 billion galaxies and 100 billion stars in every galaxy. That's the way it goes. Wow, it's incredible. 100 billion stars in Milky Way, 100 billion galaxies. But that God wants to know you and me, relationally. To me, that just blows me away. And so will we have a keenness to grow? Will we take that seriously? moves forward, and this is the key, really, that we are to read the Word and we are to read it with understanding. Because four times in our text, you see the verses there, it focuses, uses the same word, to read with understanding, to perceive the Word, to stand under the Word, to hear it and let it penetrate to our hearts so that we're not just simply reading for information we're reading for spiritual formation. And so there's a responsibility in all of us to do that, to read the Bible with understanding, because there are different ways to read the Bible. One way is to read all the way through the whole Bible, to read it, to get those stories in our head. Another way is to read the Bible contemplatively, shorter verses and repeat them and really let that spirit. Another way is to actually study the Word, If you read the story here in chapter 8, the scribes go amongst the people while the story is being read, the law is being read, to clarify and to explain to them what's really going on. The scribes, other than Ezra, are moving amongst the people so they hear. What it means is hermeneutics. It means that we are called to interpret the Scriptures. Every piece of Scripture is not to be read the very same way. Because there are different kinds of stories in the Bible. The Bible is literature. And so we are invited to interpret it. That's the focus here. The whole text turns on verse 12. And what does verse 12 say? And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing. Why? Because they had understood the words that were declared to them. And we'll talk more about that rejoicing as we go on. But it means we're called to understand. Called to understand. Talk about it. So Paul's uh, Bible study on Tuesday nights, it's an excellent thing. If you're free to go to that, go to that. Go. Because we're called to understand the Word of God. You know, it's not just a matter of opening the Word up and everybody's going to get it. It, it's, It's a piece of literature. Beth is an English teacher. She teaches students how to read. Same with the Bible. So, we are to take it seriously and to read. Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Read it with understanding. That's what the people are happy about. Today, we have so many biblical aids that we could all be using. Free online, help you study the Word of God. Invited to take advantage of that, but all of that is as we close this first point, it's countercultural because that's not how we generally live our lives. We're not living often directed by some great book, we have the Bible, but frequently we live our lives governed by our secular society. What's going on in our society? That's what shapes our worldview more than the scriptures. So it's countercultural to hear Nehemiah and Ezra say, let God's word speak and let that fund your life and my life. Let it really guide our lives. May it be the fountain. May it be the source. You're not hearing that when you go to work. Other people are telling you to listen to all kinds of other stuff. And it means we don't live our lives just governed by our experience. This is a huge thing in our culture. Whatever my experience is, that's what's going to shape how I live my life. Maybe okay for you to believe that, but I don't believe it because my experience tells me this. That's where our culture is at, and we are impacted by our culture. So we'll hear the scriptures, but we feel like, well, my experience is leading me this way, so I'm going to... I'm going to go that way. From a biblical perspective, that's very strange. So will we allow God's Word to speak? Will we be in it? Will we hear it? It's a good way to build our lives in 2020. How do we receive God's Word? How do we read it with understanding? How do we allow it to shape who we are? For all of us, we're invited to hear that. Secondly, notice that people celebrate. Again, the word says, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. They start crying. Then Ezra says to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's a time for weeping for sure. But this is not the time for weeping, Ezra and Nehemiah says. It's the time for celebrating. Celebrating 52 days, the walls have been rebuilt in spite of all the resistance we faced. They've been rebuilt, so let's celebrate. Tyndale, a few years ago, you know, finally got into their new building, and which was the Sisters of Saint Joseph. A, 50-acre site, beautiful facilities, but it took a lot of reconstruction to make it not a, a convent any longer, but a functioning university. Lots of rebuilding throughout. Outside it looks the same, but inside completely changed. And I remember being at that chapel service where they, Gary Nelson was talking about, you know, we finally are in here, president. We're finally in after all these years. It took them a long time. It's taking us time here. It took them a long time too to go from buying the place to actually get into the place. And when they did that, there was a celebration service. It makes sense. So celebration is part of our journey, part of our journey in 2020. This day in our text is actually their New Year's Day. It's New Year's Day in the Jewish cycle. And they're saying... Hey, we're not to be sad on New Year's Day. God is holy, and we're going to praise Him and rejoice in Him. And here we have the three times where God is praised because of His holiness. Holiness, pure, lovely, just, awesome. Holiness is not a bad thing. Holiness is not you know being some pietist who's uh, you know never doing anything or whatever. Holiness is be pure the Beatitudes, and, and, and experience God and know Him. That's, that's what the writer is saying. So we're invited as we're able to allow God's presence to touch our lives, and holiness is a wonderful thing. So it begins there, and then it goes to joy. So we have this famous statement, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So holiness is associated with joy, not grief. Place yourself in the broader perspective, horizon of God's care and love. When was the last time you experienced joy? Would you say that your life is characterized by joy? It may be yes or maybe no. But joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit, is it not? Love, joy, peace, patience. Joy. Joy. Why? Because of the wider perspective. You're in an airplane. Boom. Explodes. There were some families there. Families on the plane. And I believe, you know, it's it, it just, you're translated from this experience to the next experience just like that. Like it's there, there you are. And I would say the families on the other side and they're saying, wow, what was that? They may not even be aware of what happened. But there they are, the family again, together. To know God's love, God is light, God is love. He's with us in all of these situations. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So why do we celebrate God is holy? We celebrate because God is a good God. We're joyful. And then the surprise in the text, is that we're also invited to be still. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. So joy comes full circle. Celebration comes full circle. And we're quiet, and we're still before God. Be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46. Just rest in His stillness, to rest in His joy, You go scuba diving and you go down in the waters. You go down 100 feet, it's just quiet. It's just still. Deep blue, quiet. Space is quiet. The original voice of God is quiet. So will we meet God in stillness? Celebration is connected with holiness, with joy, and be still. So in our journey, 2020, will we be still before God? It allows us to not be distracted, to focus, to stay tuned in, to hear God's voice. Celebration. And then thirdly, there is the theme of gratitude. Now, we didn't read this, but I'll read a couple of verses here, because it's really a giant object lesson. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on the roofs of their houses, and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, in the square at the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim, two big plaza areas in the city. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. God's book, word is being read every day. And they kept the festival for seven days and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance so at the end remember fifty two days the walls have been rebuilt and now Ezra and Nehemiah they, they refer back because this is the way it was supposed to be and they hadn't done this in the longest time there's a festival there's Passover, there's Pentecost, there's Sukkot today is the beginning of Sukkot they hadn't done it in so many years And so they tell the people what it's about, they go out, they cut down branches, they make little tents, and they, for a week, tell stories of God's providence and care in the midst of all of that. That's what's going on. So Sukkot is about God's provision, originally in the wilderness, but God's provision for us. God provided for us as a church in 2019. Now we're already into 2020. 2020. And we trust and depend that God will continue to provide for us as we go forward this year and the years to come. God's provision for us and for you. Because otherwise, we can the bottom line, we can just tie right into anxiety. And you can be anxious. There's all kinds of things to be anxious about. Money often being one of them. We're uptight and we're worried and anxious about money not having enough of money, whatever that might be. And you can live your whole life like that, your whole year. Or we can trust and depend and lean on God because it isn't just about rebuilding walls. It's about rebuilding our hearts, right? To keep trusting and depending on God in 2020, this new year that He's given. There's always that invitation Will I trust? Will I depend? You don't know what's going to happen to your job, maybe, in 2020. Where is it going to go? Be anxious, or I can keep my eyes on God. You don't know what's going to happen in your family, relational issues. I can be all uptight, or I can keep trusting in God. It doesn't mean that anxiety just sort of slips away completely, but we're trusting and depending and leaning on Him. That's what we're invited to do. So this is where Nehemiah is talking about in building. So God's word is there for us. Celebrating God's goodness and gratitude for his provisions. Rather than allowing the joy killers of whatever they might be to speak and take over in your life. And we all have those. We all have propensities to go dark, if you like. I don't know if you saw Star Wars. Are we going to go to the dark side? We all have that dark side there, using their language. Those joy killers. Or will we stay focused on God, trusting in God, leaning on God? 2020 is all out there for us. I pray that we'll trust and we'll hear and lean and learn from some of these stories.
0: In Jesus' name, amen.